What is up, everybody? Welcome inside Studio 34. This is Doc Jock. Alongside Dr. Mitch Roslin, I am Greg Sussman. Doc, how are you doing, sir? Doing great. Doing great as we head towards the finality of the NFL regular season. Thanksgiving is really where, I, I guess, the, the teams separate themselves. And we're seeing the same thing in college sports. We have the NCAA going. And, you know, the NBA has become a lot like the NFL, where the offseason and the off-the-court is as dramatic as the on-the-court. Going, you know, we don't even hear a word about the winter meetings and if the Yankees should have sign Machado. Yeah, it's amazing the... He, hot stove has kind of taken a back seat for now. That usually gets going right after Thanksgiving. And the biggest story, amazingly enough, and tonight, of course, the, uh, the best game of the NFL season, the Rams and the Chiefs, but it does seem like the number one story is in the NBA right now with the Golden State Warriors and with what's going on with Draymond Green. Steve Kerr has said, listen, this is the toughest time I've had as coach in four and a half years here with this organization where everything's been easy, right? It's been easy. You had these players that all mesh together and gel together and have this common goal of winning. Now, Kevin Durant sees free agency there. Draymond Green sees Kevin Durant getting paid billions and billions and billions of dollars. And, you know, he, he doesn't think he's necessarily loyal to the Golden State organization. And when had an, having an opportunity, he passed up passing to Kevin Durant and took a shot by himself. Never got the shot off, of course. Uh, turned the ball over. They wind up losing that game. They've now lost uh, three in a row, four out of five. Tough stretch for Golden State. So, it's really, really interesting. I don't think it's money. I really don't think it's money. I think the word that you said is loyalty. Okay. I think that in the business of sports, I think players want them to get theirs. But I think the way somebody like Draymond Green, who grew up in a rough neighborhood, is, you know, we let you into our club. You won your championships. And he's taking his aloofness. Now, in all fairness to Kevin Durant, it's not like he's having a media circus at every, at every place the Warriors play. When he comes into New York, he's not holding a press conference saying, I'm going somewhere. He's not opening, <clears throat> having open auditions. But by the same token, he hasn't committed his loyalty to the fraternity. And I think that Draymond Green is basically saying, you know, we let you into our club. Yeah. You couldn't win a championship without us. And, you know, now kind of, now that you've gotten that, you've become aloof. And I think he's expressing the way he really feels. And I know, I know that the, you know, the interesting thing is how I've almost thought, you know, at first Draymond Green was the first kind of small who could play away and close to the basket. But now I think we see a lot of players like that. And I know he has, is considered the best defensive player in the NBA. But I watched like, basically LeBron torch him. You know, they couldn't keep LeBron on him. Has he, gotten, has he been underrated so long that he's now overrated to some extent? Or do you think that he does all of the dirty work and he's the key to the Warriors? I think he is the key to the Warriors in all honesty. You saw a couple of years ago when he got suspended in the finals. It, it, it changed everything, right? This team was up 3-1, and it changed Which was a bozo everything. head play, by the way. Listen, Draymond Green's a nutcase. He's out of his mind, but he is the glue to that team for whatever, for whatever reason. But that team did not have Durant. No, it did not. Okay, so... No, it did not. So, if you take him off the team, 
and you have Durant, Clay, and Stephen Curry, right? Do they still win? So, you, my first thought would be yes, and I, but I, I think it's a really fair question because do they have a big guy that's going to battle low that's going to get physical because Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, as good a defender as he is, and Kevin Durant aren't exactly what you would call a physical player. Now, they, they do have DeMarcus Cousins coming back, which will change everything. But you take away Draymond Green from that team, I don't know that they're good enough to win the championship. I, I, I don't know that. Because it, that's the interesting question. Is, is he the glue defensively, or has he gotten credit? I mean, again, you can't judge things by numbers, but his career, I think, is 12, 13, you know, 12 to 13 points a game, eight rebounds. Eight, you know, right. It, it's, not, it's not earth-shattering. And it's not like when he shoots his threes. Now, there was a time when he began shooting threes where bigs didn't shoot threes. Mm-hmm. Now we have Thon Maker stepping out behind the Brooke line. Brooke Lopez, they're calling Space Mountain. Right. You know, so it's, it's a... Splash thon, Mountain, excuse me. Finding big guys that can shoot the three is not as unusual. You know, it, it, it's fascinating. In, 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 but I think he's expressing what they're feeling, you know. They let Durant into the club, yet he's not pledging the fraternity. And I don't th- I think, that, you know, obviously Steve Kerr has great people skills. You know, his father goes back to being a diplomat in, in, in the Middle East, who sure. was actually murdered there. So I think it's going to be brushed over, brushed over, and winning cures a lot of things, and they will eventually win, in my opinion. But I think there's a lot of turbulence there. And I think it's an expression that it's a done deal that Durant is not coming back. And I think that, again, Durant has some degree of a fragile ego. And people like Stephen A. Smith and saying, you know, you went to Golden State's the weakest move. I think he wants to try to see if he can do it on his own, where he's the lead actor. And I'm glad you bring that up because he does have what we believe is is thin skin. And it certainly seems that he has no interest in returning to Golden State, and Draymond Green really called that out. Now, by Golden State suspending Draymond Green and taking the side of Kevin Durant, that certainly could be seen as an effort to say, listen, we're on your side, man. You re-sign with us. Uh, And maybe he will. You heard the Lakers rumored to go play with LeBron, but if he's going to go play with LeBron, he might as well just stay in Golden State at that point. I mean, I think that just puts his... If he cares about the legacy in his career, that just solidifies him as a everything he's been called right so i don't see how that is an advantageous situation honestly there's not a person in the world steph curry i believe is every young kid's favorite player who doesn't question who doesn't have you know you don't live in in the in the market and that's because you know what he does is a little guy just appeals to people saying that LeBron James, I said it at the beginning of the year, you take LeBron James and any 10 players in the NBA, you trade, trade them, sure. and, and you know what? In my opinion, you're close to an NBA semifinal team. How much of what happened between Kevin Durant and Draymond Green could have been avoided if Steph Curry was not just on the court, but in the building? Now, immediately following this happening, Draymond suspended, brought back, scores zero points, Rangers his toe, maybe. But they immediately said, Steph, even though you're not close to returning, you got to come back. How much of that could have been avoided if Steph was there? If any of it? 
Uh, I mean, if he was on the court, it's a good chance that Draymond Green would have thrown him the ball. Right. <laughs> and then we wouldn't be talking about You're it. Right. Um, and the other thing is, you know, again, if he's on the court, everybody is then running to him so that Draymond Green may not lose the ball. Sure. I mean, these are the things... You, right. th- these are the things that you can't speak about. That being said, when, when there's this much activity underneath a volcano, it would have exploded. It might not have exploded that night, but it would have exploded a different night because Raymond Green You're absolutely right. means what he said and said what he meant. Now, the Warriors suspended him because it hit home. If it didn't hit home, they wouldn't have suspended if him. If it didn't matter, if it was lies, if it was a media creation, they wouldn't have suspended him. So they are trying to say, you have to play nice in this house. And he is saying, Durant, you are not one of us. And both of those things are mutually exclusive. But what can the Warriors do? You could trade Draymond Green. Would they do that? Not facing losing Durant. So... What if, what, I, if, what if one of the conditions of Kevin Durant re-signing is Draymond's gone? Then I think you just do it. You do it. You Draymond just, Green is currently 28 years old. He has one more year left on his deal. Then he's an unrestricted free agent. So it's an easy contract to trade. It's $18 million next year, but he becomes an unrestricted free agent in 2020. So it's an easy contract to get rid of. Oh, that's a great question. 20, 29, so that puts him at 30. Yep. Okay. 30-year-old... Basically, his strength is that he truly has no position. Yeah. Okay. Can guard the point guard, can guard the center. Mm-hmm. Would you max him out? I wouldn't. No, because Draymond Green is not the superstar that's going to bring you a championship, ultimately. Well, you know, it, it's kind of interesting. It, it's kind of interesting, which brings us to Jimmy Butler. Which brings us right to Jimmy Butler, who finally was traded last week to the Philadelphia 76ers. And we spoke about this really the day that it happened, Doc, that the trade and what they got and if they got enough and whatnot. And you and I kind of disagreed there. No, I I mean, I think you and I had the same take that it was a great deal for the 76ers. Yes. Uh, There were a lot of people that thought that Minnesota did well. I I don't see it. I, I, I see the two players that they got as being, yes, their starters, um, but they are fill-in starters. They are not difference makers, and I think that that basically commits Minnesota to years of mediocrity. So do I think that Minnesota, with, with the two players, has a shot to be the 7th, the 6th to the ninth seed, 6th to 8th seed, ninth, sure. just, just inside the playoffs or just outside the playoffs? Sure. The answer is yes. Yeah. But to not get back at least a draft pick, which I always believe is a lottery ticket, and it usually doesn't work out, but at least you have the hope of getting that great player. Now they need Wiggins to be that great player, and there is nothing that he has done in the NBA to make me believe it. I think Sarek is a solid NBA player. He's a rotation player. He doesn't make anybody better whatsoever. Uh, I just think... That, you know, it's mediocrity, and the forward is, is the same. He'll hit his threes. He'll play his defense. You know, Covington is a nice NBA player, a nice story, worked really, really hard. But, you know, there are players just like him on every team, and he is not going to make a difference in a close game. Will Jimmy Butler make the difference in a close game? That's what Sixers fans were asking themselves, and really it was Saturday night where... They ran the same play 
twice, once going into overtime and once in overtime, where it was basically isolation Jimmy Butler and let me hit a, sh- throw, hit a shot. First time he missed, the second time he nailed it. First time he's the GOAT, second time he's the hero. That's how the NBA works. Were you surprised that was what they called up with the game on the line? That it was just Jimmy Butler dribble for 10 seconds and then shoot. Why not pass it into Joel Embiid? Why not draw the foul? I was very surprised in Jimmy's third game with the team, that was their go-to play at the end of the game. Yeah, I think that's what they've lacked as a go-to player. I think, I, think, I think Embiid is a terrific athlete going up and down the court, but I don't think that he, you know, you know, he can shoot it, but I don't think he's that consistent that you're going to go to him. I think that kind of there are two people on that team that you want to shoot the ball at the end of the game, and that's J.J. Redick if he's open. In other words, dish and, and, and give it to J.J. Redick. Averaging 21 points since returning to the starting lineup five games ago. And, and, and Jimmy Butler. I think that the, you know, Ben Simmons, I'm not sold on. He can't shoot straight. I think it's, it's interesting how... So you talk about shooting straight, so I went to go grab a basketball. And I, 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 the basketball's up there. Uh, so I've had a soccer ball instead. And you talk about... Uh, ben Simmons not being able to shoot straight, and that leads us right to Markel Fultz, who he's spoken about in the past. But what's happened to Markel Fultz now, Doc, is, is even worse. I mean, it's gotten worse than ever, where, you know, you're shooting a foul shot, and you're literally double-clutching before you let go of the ball. That's... He's got the yips. He's got the yips. He's got the yips. He, he remember, who was the second baseman? Uh, uh, Chuck Knobloch. Yeah, Chuck Knobloch yeah. and, and Rich, Rick Ankiel. Rick Ankiel, certainly, yeah. And, you know... I was very surprised that they didn't trade him when he, it in the Butler like, deal. Yeah, it, it seemed like his market value was pretty high this summer. I actually believe that what I've seen is the yips is an uncurable disease. In my past, even with like a sports psychologist. Well, you know, again, is it mental or something like a nervous tick? I mean. And then you talk about medicating a great athlete to try to alleviate some of the anxiety going on, and do they lose their edge? I would be very, very concerned. Once I've never seen anybody really come back, and what I'd really be concerned with the yips is that, let's say you get him back to being 95% of what he was. What's going to happen when he's fouled? It may, if, if I'm there... And, and, and I want to tell you, the, the Celtics, he's the best coach in the league. Sure. Okay? Yeah. Okay? So, and he's smart. Yep. He's confident. Yep. Okay? Game's tied. Coming down the stretch. 36 seconds to go in the Boston, in, 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 you're playing, it's, what's it, TJ? TD, TD Bank Garden. TJ Bank Why not foul him? He'll never be on the court. Well, well so, so he's the number one pick in the draft. Yeah. And you, you, you're putting huge value, and you can't even play him. Right. Even, so what I'm saying is that even if he gets back to that, you know, yeah. athletes need to have, you know, what made Michael Jordan the greatest finisher of our time mm-hmm. was that he wasn't scared of losing. Once you're scared of losing, it's very hard to be a great clutch player. And I think this is some of the difference between fans and athletes. Athletes really care. They work hard, right? but they also know how to leave the game on the court. You know, I think Eli Manning has been a master of that because if you take it home with you, 
and you relive all these memories, it's very, very hard. So part of being a great athlete is to have a, sh- a long memory so you learn from experience, but a short memory so you forget failure. And I, agree, I completely agree with that. You bring up number one picks and Markel Foles and the pressure that does come with being the first overall pick and having the yips and whatnot. It leads me to Anthony Bennett, a name we haven't talked about in years, and he was the first overall pick just, just a few years ago. You're looking five years ago. He was the number one overall pick, and he's bounced around the league, and, and now he plays for the Agua Caliente Clippers. You know, it's just a lot of pressure on somebody that nece- isn't necessarily ready for that type of pressure, that isn't prepared for that. And I think a lot of what happened to Anthony Bennett certainly happened to Markel Fultz as well. Yeah, uh, you know, Possibly, you know, Anthony Bennett was picked by the Cavaliers mm-hmm. coming out of you know, University you know, of Nevada, yeah. Las Vegas, and mm-hmm. he and traded, never really even played a meaningful minute in the NBA. Never. Never. Um, I think that in all fairness, looking back at that, as I remember, that was kind of one of the weaker NBA drafts. drafts. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if a great player came out of that draft. You so probably I, have it. I do have it up there for you. Uh, the second overall pick was Victor Oladipo, who it took him a couple of years to get going, but he's one of the better players in the NBA now. Uh, Otto Porter is a good player. Uh, he was number three. Some other names in here, Alex Len, Nerlens Noel, Cody Zeller, uh, Ken Davis Caldwell-Pope, he's a good one for you. CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum, a terrific player out of Lehigh. Did terrific ever, player. Did you ever hear the number 15 overall pick, Giannis Antetokounmpo? That, 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 was, the, that was a good one. Which, you know, Rudy, Rudy Gobert was in this draft. Tim Hardaway Jr. in this draft. Who's coming into his own right now. Certainly, yeah. And, and you know, it'll be interesting to see with Tim Hardaway Jr., you, you know, is he legit or does somebody have to score in the NBA? You know, even the team that loses right. scores 100 points. So Hardaway getting 32. That being said, I think he's playing much better than I ever thought he would be. But yeah, playing, he, playing good. He, he, he's on a, an excellent, you know, the real question for the Knicks is, do you keep him? Is he part of the solution in the future, or does you trade him while he has the highest value and you just don't see him in being part of the future? Yeah, I, I think it's a really good question, and I think that, you know, he's still young. I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr. is still young, so I think he's got to be part of the future for now. Well, you know what's really fascinating is they're taking these players at 19 and 20 years old. Yeah. And then being on rookie contracts for three years, and then they're out of the league. And I, I wonder how many of them it just takes longer and developing later. Are we making because in every other Certainly. sport, we see male athletes with nutrition, with physical fitness, with strength training, male athletes are reaching their peak at later age. We talked about tennis. When I was growing up, tennis players never won a Grand Slam in their 30s. It was now now people in their 30s are dominating them. Djokovic, Federer. Nadal. uh, Nadal. I mean, it's amazing that there hasn't been a young player that broke through in the NFL. Look at your best quarterbacks right now. I'd argue Drew Brady, Brees. Brees, Rodgers. Okay. Ben Roethlisberger, he, he, he was awful for three and a half quarters, but he figured it out in the last eight minutes. And that's not to say that Patrick Mahomes hasn't let the world on fire this year, because he has. Right. But a lot, majority of these guys are, are older. But people are playing later into their careers. Look, look at LeBron James. No one's played more minutes than LeBron James. He doesn't. Scored 50 points last night. He, he doesn't look like he's 
blowing up. People criticized him for taking games off, so he played every single game for Cleveland. And he's played into the late summer every single year. It, so it, it's amazing that people are giving up really, really quickly. Um, and it's probably, there probably are some diamonds in the rough. You brought up Victor Oladipo. Yeah. And he's playing with his third team, and he's now one of the better players in the NBA. He is. Victor Oladipo, and you just said it. I was going to bring it up next, that he changed teams three times. And the Magic gave up on him. They sent him, they sent him uh, to OKC. And OKC thought, pair with Russell Westbrook to replace Kevin Durant, essentially. Well, I have a great question. Would you trade... Paul George for Oladipo straight up. I love it. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> would you trade Paul George for Victor Oladipo straight up right now? I think I still, uh, I think I would. Yes. Still. I think Oladipo's better. Actually. And that's and, and that's fair. And it's a fair point. But the fact that the debate now is impressive because Victor Oladipo improved so much given the opportunity in Indiana. And that leads me to where I'm going next. And you could talk about that when it comes to Sean McVay in the NFL or what Nate McMillan has done in Indiana. But how much does coaching play a part and the situation that you're in play a part to what you'll become? I'm not saying that good coaching doesn't help great players and all that, right? But Jared Goff was a bust in a half with Jeff Fisher. Now Jared Goff's on the way to the Pro Bowl with Sean McVay. Now is that Jared Goff the improved in year two and year three? Or is that, listen, you have a coach that played to his strengths and knew how to do that. And the same goes for Nate McMillan, certainly, in Indiana, where you had Frank Vogel there uh, in Indiana, and you had uh, Billy Donovan, Scotty Brooks in OKC, Victor Oladipo, matched up with Nate McMillan. He's now an all-star. He's an all-NBA player. How much is that connection between coach and player? A lot, and it's different in every circumstance. Okay. So, again, they all know their X's and O's. By and large, at least there's something, with the exception of Ben McAdoo, that showed somebody leadership skills um, to get these type of jobs. I mean, it's not like they haven't been screened. Um, and then, I want to talk about the rumor about Condoleezza Rice. Yeah, we'll get to that. that. We'll get to that. Um, but I think sometimes it's happenstance and circumstance, and sometimes it's truly coaching. I think Sean McVay is a great young coach. That being said, I think that Fisher might have been become like the most stubborn and worst coach in the in the NFL toward, towards the end of his domain. Yeah. And I think that again, we had one of a discussion where we said who's the second best coach in the NFL. And we both hesitated. We thought about Andy Reid. Mm-hmm. The hot the hot name is Sean McVay. Yeah. But if you really look at it from a career standpoint, I would say Sean Payton. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, one of the coaches that we thought was going to be on the hot seat, sure. Mike Tomlin, has certainly turned it around. Turned it around. Mm-hmm. And a coach that seems to have been under fire, and McCarthy has you know, basically just gotten watched. And you know, how you can't go for, put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands is just unbelievable. So I think that McVeigh picked a great opportunity. They had a lot of good young players coming. For several years under Fisher, we thought that the Rams, the Rams had more number one picks, and it was just a question of coming to a, a system. I think that in the NBA, it's, it's a star's leave. I think Nate McMillan gave people confidence. I think he's done a great job. But I also think, you know, Oladipo just became a better player. I mean, I, he, he was, when he was with OKC in Orlando, he was a terrific athlete. He was a terrific defender. 
but he didn't have any playmaking skills, and he couldn't hit the outside shot. And that's what's the interesting thing that we're seeing in the NBA is that shooters seem to develop. And, it, it, and this is really the question when you're scouting somebody like Zion Williamson. Like sure. He, Zion Williamson has been a human highlight reel, but he can't shoot it well enough to play in the NBA. But how he projects in two years right. remains to be seen. If he doesn't shoot it well, he's Justin Winslow. If he does shoot it well, you know, he's Victor Oladipo, a six with six body by God, a tremendous explosiveness in the open court. But in the NBA, in today's NBA, you have to be able to take it to the hole. You have to be able to hit three-point shots. And if you're a big, you have to be able to defend the pick and roll. We'll see what Zion Williamson and, and R.J. Barrett can become um, throughout the season in college basketball and certainly early part of the NBA season uh, next year when all the freshmen will, of course, leave. When they, of course, leave. And I'm still waiting for somebody from Duke to give me an answer to our question. Yeah. Which is, you, you know, did you see today's news that Brian Bowen is suing yeah. Adidas? If Brian Bowen, who is the, at best, 40th player in the country, mm-hmm. was offered, his parents offered $100,000 plus to play yeah. for Louisville, mm-hmm. okay, and I'd, I'd argue, as great as Coach K is, mm-hmm. I, I would argue that Rick Pitino can prepare you for the NBA. Sure. I, I would argue that Rick Pitino even coached in the NBA. I know Coach K coached the USA team. I'm just wondering how the three top players in the country and five of the top ten wind up on the Duke Blue Devils, and they're turning down everybody else. And you can't tell me it's because of the Duke education because they check out of campus in March. So... I'm just wondering how that transpired. I don't have any problem with it. I guess I have a problem with the facade. Why is everybody turning down all of these other places that are willing to make exceptions to the rule, at least in the past, before the FBI was involved, and the greatest players in America are winding up at Duke? And no one says a word. You know, it's a question that we asked, and we'll see if we ever find I, 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 You know, again, I'd, I'd love my children to go to Duke. I think Coach K is absolutely fantastic. I'd love an explanation for that, why is that is happening. And I'm sure he's detached, but there has to be an assistant coach somewhere, some way, because human behavior speaks volume. Absolutely, it does. And let's get into uh, another big story. And you alluded to it a, a few moments ago. And it's in regards to the NFL uh, Week 11. You always have Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and Chris Mortensen breaking stories before game day. And normally it has to do with uh, a trade re- request, a fight breaks out, inactives versus some of the active players. And certainly hot stove coaching rumors and general manager rumors. So to find one about a job opening, it makes sense. Cleveland needs a head coach. They're looking into one. And they want to satisfy the Rooney rule because they have to? Okay. That makes sense, too. I'm okay with that. But Condoleezza Rice was the name that was mentioned as a potential head coaching candidate. And everybody had to make sure when they found this tweet that they weren't looking at a fake Adam Schefter Twitter. And they weren't. Because it was reported elsewhere that Adam Schefter said and Ian Rappaport said and other people confirmed that they are going to interview Condoleezza Rice to be head coach. Now, my problem isn't so much that they want to give Condoleezza Rice a job because as a very accomplished human being, someone who obviously worked in this NCAA case just recently with college basketball, she has a passion for sports and a passion for football, her mind may be very good enough to help 
the Cleveland Browns organization. This is the same organization that hired Paul DePodesta to be their assistant general manager at one time, straight from baseball, because it was all analytics-based and data and numbers. And maybe what Condoleezza is, Rice is good at will help the organization in Cleveland. There's the head coach diagramming plays and uh, coming up with strategies. We've never seen anyone jump from the political arena uh, to the sidelines quite like that. What do you think is behind that rumor, Doc? Absolutely nothing. Okay. Because it is absolutely the stupidest thing that I've ever heard. Um, to begin, number one, I raised my daughter exactly the way I raised my son. Yeah. I'm in a field surgery that used to be male-dominated. Some of the best surgeons I've ever worked with, some of the brightest of female. I, I mean, I'm, I'm completely blind to that. But, here's the but. I've been following sports my whole life. You know, and I think that you and I sit here and we talk sports and we review yeah. sports. Neither of us, I would believe, can go coach the Cleveland Browns. No. Okay? We don't know the verbiage. We don't know the terminology. One of the things that I think is so great when I look at things like the athletic is when former players break down what the air raid means. Love that. Okay? Or, or, you, or you love the, the baldy breakdowns, right, where you just see him on an iPhone cam drawing what the offensive line is doing and why things are working. I could never do that. Exactly. And, you know, or listening to Peyton Manning break down even Eli Manning or the, you, you, you know, Baker Mayfield the week before. It is like I've spent the last 30 years speaking a certain verbiage. That doesn't mean that medical device salesmen don't know anything about medicine, but they don't know the same verbiage as a surgeon. I wouldn't know the first thing about the verbiage that Eli Manning is calling up, how to put in an offense, how to put in a defense. You would be 15,000% reliable on your, on your coordinators. Now, there additionally, when people, when people compare this to potentially assistant coaches on the San Antonio Spurs and even NBA potential female full-time coaches, realize that women's basketball is the same game with minor modifications as men's basketball. Because what is the equivalent of women's football? If you're going to tell me basketball, which is essentially played with a shot clock, with a round ball going through a hoop, and explaining to me that a woman has the background from coaching women's basketball and played it their time, understands the verbiage, understands the offensive sets, and then can go over to the men's game, I buy it. But in the NFL, where there aren't women that grew up with that verbiage, if they want to get to that point, they would have to have a real mentoring program and learn the language for a long period of time, just like players did growing up, or people who were career coaches. You'd have to start as the video editor just for, sure. for the New England Patriots, and then I could believe it. But you, can, you can't take somebody as, 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 as distinguished as she is. Now, and I, I believe exactly what you said. If you're going to put her as a president of an organization, and you know, this goes back to what we were talking about the Mets, successful people will be successful. They'll learn how to ask the right questions, get the right information. But that's very different than wearing a headset and putting in an offense, putting in a defense, and understanding what goes on. Needless to say, most coaches right now are former players just because it's easier to get the players' respect. That doesn't mean it's the only formula. 
But you really have two types of coaches right now, former players and people who have been in the game for a long time. For example, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, who played at a low level. It's very hard to not come from this culture and get players' respect, no matter what you've done in a previous life. I think it's, it's very, very hard. We've seen that in baseball, too, a lot, right? Different game. I, okay. mean, I, I mean, different game. You, you, you know, put a gun to each of our heads. We all believe we can manage a baseball team. It's true. Okay? We all believe we can manage a baseball game. Basketball has become a little bit more difficult. Football is a completely different language. I mean, okay, if I ask the average football fan, they know that Pat Mahomes played in the air raid system in Texas Tech. What is the air raid? No idea. Okay? You know, essentially the air raid basically means you you play three receivers on one side and they're basically running like we, we, when we were kids, crisscrosses and can modify routes. Ball comes out of the hand really fast and they spread the offensive linemen wide because the ball comes out fast, so they're not really concerned about blitzes. They just want to keep the edge rush off, and they want to have wider angles. I mean, you know, when, when I say the run and shoot, okay, people will remember Houston ran the run and shoot, but what the hell is the run and shoot? You know, what does this verbiage actually mean? And that's simple. And go in when, 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 when they're saying kill, 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 and two, and, and, and all of the things. It, it's a language. It's a system. You don't just learn it like this. So you're saying you don't think Condoleezza Rice knows language? I don't think, I don't think any of us. I, I think that Condoleezza Rice may have greater knowledge of sports than me and you, and you and I don't know the language. Why would she? Right. And I, and, and I think that's fair. I, I just don't know that she has that background. Uh, she just hasn't been involved in the game of football long enough. Do you think you mentioned how women's basketball is the same game as men's basketball? It's basketball, right? Women playing it, men playing it, whoever. Did you know Oriyama be successful coaching a men's basketball team? Um, I don't think so, actually. Really? I really don't. I, I've, I, because I think that um, it, it, it's a, he's always had the best, best players. talent, mm-hmm. best players going there and played a very, very strict type system, which I think is going, would be very, very, very different. I mean, I think that it's really an adoption of Bobby Knight basketball and, you know, a lot of backdoors, a lot of passing game, a lot of spreading the court, moving around, you know, and the NBA game is completely different game. You know, I think that the person that really brought the NBA game to a different level is actually D'Antoni when he came back from Europe. Yeah. Yes, very much so. And I think that basically the NBA game is, a lot of spread, a lot of pick and roll to get a matchup. You know, there's, in the NBA game, there's only three good shots. A three, a layup, and a foul shot. Mm -hmm. And if you look, you know, the Knicks are shooting the most long twos in the NBA, so it's not a surprise that they're four and 13 or four and 15. Sure, yeah. So I think it's a very, very different game than you think, and... It's really dealing with those type of athletes at a different level. I think, you know, there's a reason why he, he doesn't believe he'd be successful or he would have left. And that's in my own opinion. I would agree with that. He would have taken a shot somewhere else. Now, we always say, what more is there to accomplish? Why bother if you're Coach K to go to the NBA? Why bother if you're Calipari to go back to the NBA? So you're I would so much buy, money you're being so successful. 
well, I can buy why Calipari doesn't want to go back to the NBA. I can buy why my friend who's a college basketball coach sure. doesn't want to go to the NBA. Because, number one, when you're in a great college situation, right. you are the big man on campus. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with that. Right. Okay. And the same thing with Gino Ariama. But, well, but, but Gino Ariama is a big fish in a small pond. Sure. He hasn't crossed over at all. Well, I, I've, you're absolutely right, but he makes, he, he makes more than anybody else in his profession. He's the best in his profession. Why did he, you know, they, they went and they took Danny Hurley to coach the men's team. They mm-hmm. yeah, lost yeah. there the other day. Yeah, yeah. It, it, why didn't he take, a, if he loves UConn so much, and he he's such a great coach, why didn't he take a crack at that job? Maybe he didn't want it. Maybe he did, for all we know. You know, so it, it's an issue. So I actually don't think he'd be successful uh, on the male college level. I think he'd have a hard time recruiting. Um, you may argue that anybody that recruits cleanly would have a hard time sure. recruiting. So um, I don't think that people would be lining up to play for Gino Ariama. Okay, and and that's obviously all everything comes down to when it comes to college sports. Let me get into the NFL here. Week 11, Doc, tonight, Monday Night Football, you have the Rams and the Chiefs, one of the most anticipated matchups uh, we've seen in a long time. First-place team in the AFC, first-place team uh, in the NFC. Two extremely fun offenses. Uh, who do you like tonight? I think I like the Chiefs, even though it's a... Away a, 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 game? A, a, a way game for them, but... Um, you, you know, it's, it's amazing that they couldn't grow brass in Mexico. You know, that's... That, that's Thing. And then they moved it to a place where there's a lot of fog going and sure. smog for the wildfires. I think there'll be a lot of emotion on the Los Angeles, uh, Los Angeles sideline. Um, you know, I just the Rams couldn't stop the Saints. I don't think they're going to stop the Chiefs. Now, you can make the same argument that the Saints didn't stop the Rams. And mm-hmm. going there, I think that I think Gurley is the best player, but then I think the other three are on Kansas City. You know, Kelsey, Kareem Hunt, and... Patrick Mahomes? Well, I'm talking about, the, beside oh. the quarterbacks, and Tyreek Hill. I'm talking Travis about, Kelsey. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, mm-hmm. Tyreek Tyree Hill, Hill, and Kareem Hunt. Hunt. You don't think Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods make that? I don't really think so. Okay. I, I, re- I, I really don't think so. Um, I thought going into the season that the Rams would have a better defense with Aaron Donald and, and Sue but they really haven't played that well. And then they had the, you know, the cornerbacks in Tlaib and Peters, but they really haven't stopped anybody at all. So I, I think Kansas City, and you know, it's interesting though. What I will say is several weeks ago, we said how the NFL was so tightly clumped. It seems to have separated in, in the last sure. few weeks. The Saints, I think, would be considered, if we were doing power ratings, the number one team or 1A, mm-hmm. certainly the two playing tonight certainly. would be 1B. And then I think right underneath that, you probably have the Steelers. I saw New England play against Tennessee, and we had comments, and then they ran off six in a row, and I don't know. I mean, I just don't see any of their receivers getting separation. They really can't seem to get open. And if Gronk doesn't come back, I think they're in a little bit of trouble. Now, they're blessed by being in... The god-awful division. I mean, you know, you couldn't name a division that's worse between the Jets, who are actually on the way down, Buffalo, you know, the Jets got blown out by Buffalo, mm-hmm. and, and Miami, who always starts, like, you know, comes in, um, you know, wild, and then, and then descends. Sure. And 
that AFC East is terrible. The NFC East is terrible. Alex Smith, 33 years to the day of Joe Theismann's leg injury, uh, breaks his own leg. Now, full recovery is expected. Just a brutal, brutal injury, though. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and truly an underrated player. I mean, when you look at his one loss record, it's been terrific in the NFL. He, in, he played, Absolutely. He played it, it, the game against the Saints in the playoffs. He played unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He played unbelievable in the KC game that Andrew Luck, who's playing out of his mind, came back sure, to win. Sure. That's an interesting team. You know, that's a real interesting team. And you know, line's gotten better. you know what's absolutely amazing? What? When we talk about the best quarterbacks in the NFL, our list would have started with Andrew Luck two, three years ago. Quietly, it may be. And you know what's changed for Andrew Luck? It's that offensive line. And, and we've spoken a lot about Saquon Barkley, given you know, we're in New York. We've spoken a lot about Saquon Barkley and the Giants investing the second overall pick in a running back. And you look what the Colts did, where they traded back they drafted Quentin Nelson at six. And Quentin Nelson having a, a phenomenal season along that offensive line. They finally have built it right. Uh, they, they brought a new general manager in there, and they did it right with Chris Ballard, building the offensive line. And over the last five games, Andrew Luck hasn't been sacked. Mm-hmm. And when you have a guy that was beaten and beaten and beaten, and you just let him stand up straight, then he throws 18 touchdowns compared to three interceptions over that five-game span, looks a whole lot better. Frank Reich has figured this thing out. The GM has figured this thing out. And their running back who's going off, and Marlon Mack, who's been wonderful. I'm not saying he's as good as Saquon Barkley, but certainly productive. Averaging more yards per carry than Saquon Barkley. It's an interesting way to build a team, Doc. Yeah, you know, again, I still, I love Barkley. I mean, I, I actually think that he is, I've said this before, the only player I saw in college that was like him was Bo Jackson. Mm-hmm. And I think that he is just absolutely terrific. The difference is, I would say, that Indianapolis had their star player in Andrew Luck. I, I think that the Giants really needed somebody. And I would argue that Barkley is better. The difference between Barkley and anybody else. And I think calling these people running backs is, 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 is absurd. Well, I think Mel agrees with you. I think they're skilled position players. Um, like Travis Kelsey is a terrific player. I don't care where you line him up. Um, Gurley, I don't care where you line him up. I think that the value of people like Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley is being underrated in the NFL. As, you know, I guess I'm not right based on Le'Veon Bell. Again, I think that the issue, in, you know, what's interesting is how one person can make the line. You talked about the Giants signed Jalon Brown. Jalon Brown, yeah. Okay. Certainly not our world. He just, they took him off the Heath Street. Right, we got cut by the Rams. Gets cut by the Rams. He's actually made that line better. I understand they were playing Tampa Bay yesterday, but Eli goes 17 for 18. Yeah. The one he missed was Barkley down the sideline, where I actually think that Eli made the right read. I think that he saw the safety coming over, so he threw the ball to the outside shoulder rather than the inside shoulder. Barkley was looking for the ball on the inside shoulder and had a hard time coming around. That still doesn't change the fact that I would love to see Barkley play with somebody like Lamar Jackson, where you had to keep the linebacker as a spy and open up the whole middle of the field. And I think it's, Eli can make all the throws. I've said that all the time. I just think you need escapability in this, in this day and age in the NFL. And it always comes back to escapability, Doc. Before we wrap up for today, I do have to bring up Maryland, Ohio State, the battle of two teams. 
uh, under a lot of scandal, uh, certainly this college football season of their own doing, no doubt, a, a great game with an ending that wasn't nearly as great. Well, you know, first of all, it's, it's, it's interesting, as I, I said this to you before the show, Maryland did the absolute right thing going for two. They he knew was, that his yeah. team was never going to stop. You, you have different athletes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's exciting. Maryland has a freshman halfback that's ran for 500 yards in McFarland for the last two weeks. Anthony McFarland, yeah. Big Ten, rookie, Big Ten uh, Rookie of the Week. You know what was clearly obvious, to, clearly obvious to me is that Urban Meyer is not coming back. No chance in hell. He, he is running to the hills as fast as he can get to the hills. As fast as he, he you know, he, he, but he better find better public relations people. He's got it. You know, he will fall back on ESPN, no problem. It will be no big deal. Rapid fire, Carmelo Anthony looking for a job. Yes, he is. Carmelo Anthony looking for a job, and I don't know that he's going to find one so quickly, Doc. I think he'll find a job, but you know, it's, I was thinking when I, when I was running today about Carl, Carmelo Anthony's career. Carmelo Anthony, and I'm just going to say this to make you laugh, is like, yeah. the, is like the, you know, the, he, the other great players have always loved him, and he's always been considered in that yes. club. Yes, yes. Okay? I, I think he's like the average-looking girl that gets into the hot sorority, you know, <laughs> and, you know, you actually look at his career. I mean, you know, he scored a lot of points and the Knicks did win 54 games sure. in one year. But you have to ask yourself if Carmelo Anthony was ever a top five player, look what Leonard's doing and never yeah. one of my fans in Toronto. Yeah. That should be enough with four people to carry you at least to the sixth seed in, in sure. the East, East Conference. Right. Okay. Now, what's really interesting about Houston is they go, he's a great guy, but we just don't want him around. Right. And they're basically saying, we need to get back to what we did last, last year. year. Yeah. And the problem is Carmelo Anthony doesn't play defense, and they need that coming off the bench, and they need that from their supporting players because James Harden doesn't play defense. So. Well, I, I mean, I, I, think, you know, I think the Sixers may look at him. You know, they need some depth. And they need somebody who can. But that's you get when you do that. You get in this position of a, a player like Carmelo Anthony's stature doesn't want to come off the bench and play ten minutes a game. I think minutes a game. I think that Carmelo Anthony is is having going to have a real attitude readjustment. Or he won't, and he won't play again because he's certainly made enough money not to. And that's going to be up to and, him. And you know he he's a good guy. He's been a good guy off the nothing court. But, nothing but a good guy. Absolutely, he's been a great benefactor of Syracuse. No, he'll he'll play again, and I think that there'll be. I think it's going to take a really good coach like Brad Stevens, I wouldn't be shocked, who says, you know what, we're going to put you in small doses when there's a matchup advantage on a second unit. He, he's hot, he plays, he's not hot, he's off. And you know what, in the last two minutes of a game, it, you know, he still can take people one-on-one off the dribble. I mean, he can still do that. So I think he winds up doing that it, it, for, for a good team somewhere. What else you got, Doc? So, you know, it, it, it's interesting how the league has gone completely helter-skelter. You know, when, in, when, we, when we, we look at up and down, sure. who's gone up. Week in and week out, yeah. Who, who's gone up. At the beginning of the year, we were all in love with Jacksonville. Yeah. Completely adios. Yeah. Green Bay. I think they'll have a run in them. I really do. You know, we say that every year because of Aaron Rodgers. I bet on it last year that they have a run on it. It didn't happen. I think this is the end for, for Mike McCarthy. Well, I, I agree with that, unless, unless they have a well, phenom- Bowl, yeah. you know, phenomenal run. Dallas, every time we're really, you know, Dallas, I thought after the Titans, was like Toast City. 
I think they gave away their number one pick to Amari Cooper. Then they come out. They win two games in a row. Now they're playing Thanksgiving Day against Colt McCoy. Yep. I mean, you know, Dallas stock way up there. Definitely. Dallas, Dallas looking like the favorites right now in the NFC East. And, you know, Odell Beckham, I give him some credit. You know, he, he's, he's rallied the troops, as stupid as it is. Don't you know? do this, Doc. Don't yeah. do this. As stupid as it is, he's actually rallying the troops. You know, people want him to, uh, to say certain things and, and, and play. He's played. He, he, he played. showed up and played. He's, he showed up and played, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, and you know what? On a 1-7 team, everyone considers him a prima donna. He's a hard worker. He's a, he, he, he's a little crazy, but he, he, he works his butt off on the field he's and off in practice. Okay. So. There you go. Odell Beckham, Beckham Jr. He's been a leader. I mean, these people look up to him, and now he's leading by example. He's kept his mouth shut for the most part. Um, and they've won two in a row, the New York Giants. You know, that's the interesting thing, which is the press and the outsiders are always hard on the the Draymond Greens Mm -hmm. of the world. Yet, you know, my friend who coached in the Big Ten said that no one could fire up a team like Draymond Green. He wished he had ten of them. Of course. He said he's a leader. He's a leader. You you know, and, and you watch... The Giants respond to Beckham. <laughs> they do. Oh, absolutely. They love him. They love him. You know, so it's really actually funny how maybe how the distance between the, the you know, reality and, and what we want reality to be. No doubt about it. Doc, it's been a pleasure as always. Great conversation today. And we have a great conversation each and every week here on Doc Jock. You can check out all of our old episodes on demand. Search for Doc Jock. That is Dr. Mitchell Roslin. I am Greg Sussman. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure you download the podcast on iTunes and uh, you watch all the old stuff back. Doc, thank you so much, sir. See you next week. Absolutely. See you next week. Have a happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Enjoy the games.